Yeah, it's Dr. Sue's podcast with me, your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And as usual, I'm here with my sidekick, Bliss Young, and we're going to introduce Bliss in a little bit, and we're going to go over all the social media crap in a little bit, but things don't mean, seem to matter that much right now because uh, the Dr. Sue's podcast family and Bliss's family had a significant loss last month. Many of you know that. Bliss lost her daughter to gun violence here in Los Angeles. It's going to be a tough podcast for us to get through, but everybody's heard about it. Uh, so we're going to talk about it. We're going to celebrate Sky. We're going to talk about loss. And hopefully we'll get through this with only one or two boxes of Kleenex. So we want to start off first by giving a little tribute. When, when Sky had just turned 17, Bliss gave her as a Christmas present uh, studio time, and she recorded a song with her father, Thomas, um, that is actually stunningly beautiful. So we're going to play it for you now. Without further ado, I give you Skylyn Gutierrez. I found myself dreaming in silver and gold Like a scene from a movie that every broken heart knows We're walking on moonlight and you pulled me close Split second and you disappeared and then I was all alone Woke up in tears with you by my side A breath of relief And I realized No, and I promised tomorrow So I'm gonna love you Like I'm gonna lose you And I'm gonna hold you Like I'm saying Just a whisper of smoke You could lose everything The truth is you never know So I'll kiss you longer, babe Any chance that I get I'll make the most of the minutes In love with no regrets Let's take our time Say what we want what we got before it's all gone Cause no, when I promise tomorrow So I'm gonna love you Like I'm gonna lose you And I'm gonna hold you Like I'm saying goodbye Whoever you're standing I won't take you for granted Cause we'll never know when, when we'll run out of time So I'm gonna love you, like I'm gonna 
Pregnant yeah, pause. I'm like, yeah, this has been Dr. Stu's podcast number 161. We'll see you next time. <laughs> bye bye. And we're out. <laughs> and we're out. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, how many Kleenexes have we used so far? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, so I'm here with Bliss. Bliss, Hi, welcome. Everyone. Thanks. It's got to be extremely hard for you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I spoke at a, at another meeting yesterday, and uh, it's interesting being around people and talking about it. You know, it 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 seems like people start to diminish the, their own pain. And what I said was, there's no heart hierarchy in grief. You know, it's like, and I know today we're talking about sky, but we're also talking about loss and grief and. Um, you know, people say things like it must be the hardest loss that you can have. But I've had other heartbreaks. And at the time, they felt like the worst pain I could possibly imagine. So, you know, it's something that and I had a lot of people come up to me afterwards and say that was so validating for me, because sometimes I diminish whatever my problem is. And, you know, most people will not go through their life having this particular instance, but they will have things in their life that feel like they don't know how they're going to go on or they don't know how they would ever go walk through that. And so um, pain is pain, you know? That's very insightful. It's very insightful because you go through uh, a relationship breakup or you go through the yeah. loss of a parent or you go through some very, very thing that you wanted so badly you know, uh, you had really high expectations for and you didn't get it. And happiness is often defined by, as we've said before, low <laughs> expectations. <laughs> but, it, uh, you know, I have a daughter. Yes, you do. The idea that this would have happened to her, I don't I don't know that I could have been as strong as you've been. I know that you've taken your moments and you, you obviously have moments where you're lucid and doing your work and all that stuff but i can't imagine how it just doesn't come in waves mm, it does it does come in waves and um, and then things like this like playing the song <laughs> just you break down how can you not yeah which is you know good it's good to let the emotions move through you um my i have two surviving children um grant who is 16 and jordan who is 27 and um, in those in those early moments, in those early days, you know, that was my heart ached the most was for for their loss. Right. <laughs> and they and they 
are, are still dealing with it, obviously, and for the probably for years to come um, in their own way. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, um, Jordan is doing a better job. He's older, obviously, but he's doing a better job of like crying and and i hope he doesn't get mad that i'm saying that um you know letting he doesn't it, listen to dr Stu's <laughs> podcast <laughs> um and letting it out whereas my my it, younger son i think is stuffing a lot of it i think so too yeah. I, just by watching him by yeah. being around him and seeing him and he's, he's actually been absent a lot he goes off to his friend's house and mm, which think, is good yeah i know it's yeah. it's coping yeah um, yeah everybody copes differently um not everybody recovers the same some people don't. unfortunately don't recover yeah. and then and then it's the catastrophe is even amplified even more um yeah someone told me a a term and i wish it was coming to my mind right now but there's a specific term of, of when people get stuck in a, in grief and they never pull out of it they never recover from it i think there's a new podcast that i've been listening to a woman who did a ted talk i'm not going to remember her name either but the the podcast is called um terrible thanks for asking yes um and it's about her she lost a baby and her husband was dying of brain cancer he died and then her dad died six weeks later so um she speaks about that and uh yeah, you even mentioned one from. time i think you sent out a group text or something that says, please don't ask me how I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> we all decided that was a really stupid question. And, you yeah. know, if we're going to talk about lessons and stuff that we learn from grief, um, that's a good one to, to like know how to navigate when people are grieving, you know, because it is a dumb question. You're doing terrible. Yes, it's right? terrible. Yeah. So what, what should they ask? Like, what can I do for you? What um, do you need? You know, what should they be asking? It's kind of like labor. And you know how we tell people in labor, don't talk too much. Just like if if you want to offer someone water, you just put the water in front of their face and they'll take it if they want it. Um, honestly, that's kind of the best thing is to just show up, show up. with things, drop it off at the door. Um, when you are with someone, you know, like um, my best friend Marianne, who was Sky's godmother. Yeah, she was there every every day. Every she's moment, still there. Right? She's still there. <laughs> she's still at my house. Um, Sky uh, officially um, died. Um, I was just looking on Friday; it'll be six weeks. So um, she's been she's been there. Yeah, the, ever day, since. the date happened to be November twenty second. Um, yeah, she was shot on um, the eighteenth on the eighteenth of November, right. um, and then. And then we were at Cedars in the uh, ICU until Friday. <clears throat> right. So, right. but what was I talking about before that? Oh, what to say. Um, yeah, what to say yeah. and what uh, just people to, to bring things and to just be there, be present. Mm -hmm. And Marianne said, you know, someone came over and, and they just started, you know, th they were hanging out, but they just got up and started doing the dishes without asking, without, you know, like those things mean so much because, you know, People say that I've heard a lot, you know, when you're grieving, it seems like other people are ready to move on sooner than you are. And um, I think I really understand that now because it's been six weeks, but yet, you know, it, it feels yeah, like and, and no people, time and at people all. People don't understand and, and, it, and sometimes they feel awkward and they don't know what to say or what, what to do. So they avoid even coming. Mm -hmm. um, they may send something instead. They may Which send okay. flowers or something like yeah. that. But yeah. But yeah. as you said, just just the presence sometimes of having people in the house, even if you're in the other room, I think 
felt good for you, people going out and getting logs or, or going to get, um, you know, supplies or going to the grocery store or whatever else, not really needing to ask, just stocking things. Yeah. Um, what were some of the favorite, uh, what was some of the best things that you think that people did for you that you could suggest? Because so many of us are listening right now. We feel like we're all thumbs when it comes to this sort of thing. We don't know what to do. Mm. You can't, because it's even hard to, it's, Human, the human condition is such that we can empathize with a lot of things, mm-hmm. but there are some things that are so tragic that you really can't, you can sympathize with them, I think, but you can't, it's hard to empathize with them. And um, So what are some of the things? That, I think, you know, um, no words, honestly, when people come and they say, I have no words, that's really probably the most accurate, <laughs> you know, re- than trying to fumble with the right word. Cause a lot of times, even it, with the best of intentions, you can say really stupid things, <laughs> you know, and you're not meaning to, but it's just, it's just, so I think, you know, doing your best to um, provide something and the physicality of someone, a hug, you know, a glance. Um, and then people just saying, you know, I, I have no words. And I would always say to people, there are no words. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. There really aren't, you know. And I think it's, I, you know, um, as we were starting the podcast, we were talking about, you know, we may have to re-record and we may cry and we may, you know. And I think that it's okay to be messy and to let people know that you're there, but you don't have to try and say the perfect thing. You know, it's just a matter of like, I'm here and I'm going to be here. And if you need me, um, just reach out, you know, and people don't want to bother me necessarily, but getting for me, getting the text messages and things and messages on Facebook. Um, it just, it, I know that, that the, there are people that are still thinking of me and thinking of her, even if I don't respond. Um, I think the other thing is don't expect a thank you or a response from someone who's grieving. If you're sending something, send it with the intention of like, it's just going, you know? And I think most people know that, but there have been a few people who have been like, did you get my message? Did you? And I'm like, really? (laughs) You know, like, yeah, so and thank th- you, but I can't always respond. You know, I, uh, you don't have words. Sometimes I really don't have words. My brain isn't functioning the way that I would like it to. And, you and, know. and well, people often can't, they can't project or relate uh, into someone else's situation. Mm-hmm. And you said earlier that, that um, you know, just because I'm grieving doesn't mean that your grief is, is sort of less right. valuable. But I would argue that, that, some of the things that we consider to be difficult in our lives are less are significantly less significant than something like this, and it does, for me, bring things into perspective. And you know, me grumbling about the Cornell people or uh, the state legislature <laughs> or you know the local hospital. That sort of thing, or the dumb things that their doctors say that get me all riled up, mm-hmm. didn't seem to have a whole lot of meaning over the last six weeks. Been, well, uh, I think that might be one of the beautiful parts of of loss and grief. You know, is that it does um, 
kind of simplify things into what is really important. So I don't think that there's necessarily a bad, a bad part of that, you know, cause we've been doing that too. It's like, what, what does really matter? You know, I've gained 10 pounds <laughs> <laughs> during this time. Um, the carbs, man, so many luscious carbs, which I normally don't eat, you know, and, um, I've just been giving myself a break about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, not, I'm not going to feel this way forever and I'm not going to do that forever, but you know, there's, there's things that you're just like, so what, you know, my boys have been buried in their room playing video games because that's how they need to cope. And normally it's a big problem for me that they are doing that. But you know, during these times, it's like, what is really, really important, you know, and, and <clears throat> that when we were walking up, that man was walking out on his phone, you know, and you didn't, maybe you didn't notice there was a man when we entered the building today together, there was a man walking out on his phone and I said, good morning. And he looked up from his phone and, and responded. And, you know, it's like those kinds of things. It's like connecting with human beings to me is what, this is all really about. And I think the, the message that came out of it for Thomas, her father and I, and, and many other people who took part in the memorial service, um, was, you know, love more like really. And so when things have been coming up lately that kind of irritate me or I don't know what to say to somebody, I just send love, you know, because that's really like, that's the most important thing at the end of the day. Yeah. Bella doesn't agree. She's it's growling. Well, it's well said. I was thinking <laughs> as you were talking about the idea that when people near you lose somebody close to them, and in our profession, when we have a fetal demise or we have mm. a, a neonatal death um, and we're the caregivers there, it a lot of us don't exactly know how to act or how to grieve. Um you know, part of us are feeling some responsibility maybe even though there isn't any. And Mm -hmm. so are we supposed to be present or is that going to piss off some of the family members of the in-laws because they blame us for what happened and that sort of thing. And I I have my one experience last year where I had a a, a interpartum death, I think about it. And I I can't tell you how gracious the people were Mm -hmm. who lost the baby, who made sure that the team was part of the whole process mm-hmm. because they knew that we were we were experiencing lo- loss as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lamaze breathing, Lamaze breathing. Breathe. In through your nose and out through your mouth, Breathe. right? Right. Yeah. But it's really hard for people who who don't experience that or don't know, we don't know what to do. They, they don't know what to say to you. They don't know what to do. So this what you've just said has been really insightful. Just be present. Try not to get angry at the guy who cuts you off on the freeway. I've decided um, I'm going to market these signs. We were talking about it. Because going out into the world, it's getting better now. But definitely in the first couple of weeks, it was really intense, you know. And people would, you know, flip me off or honk at me or cut me off or whatever. And I was like, if you only knew, 
if I was able to tell you what's going on in my world, you would feel so like a shithead, humbled, right? No, just don't even be humbled. Just don't feel <laughs> like an asshole. Yeah. So you know they have those baby on board yeah. little stickers. I thought we could have them that say like "grieving mother on, on board. board" or <laughs> "just lost my husband" or you know, and then people would be like, "Oh, maybe I should just like give that person just a little bit more grace." Um, so. Yeah, I can see the I can see the potential abuse for that though. <laughs> <laughs> the assholes that use it. Yes. <laughs> Let me over. I'm grieving. Yes. Uh-huh. It's like the it's like the handicap <laughs> placards, and you get people get out of the car, and they're like, they jog into the the office, but they're parking in a handicap spot because yeah. they got grandma's handicap well, sticker. Well, we're or never going to be able to uh, to no, you know yeah, fix all the assholes. No, you can only fix yourself. That's and right. You can only you can only uh, uh, build your own karma. Mm-hmm. By uh, by trying to do good deeds, mm-hmm. so you want to tell us a little bit about Sky? What would you like to know about Sky? Sky was a well, feisty, it's not just me. Feisty, I, I know a lot about Sky, but feisty, I think that feisty. people listening sort of kind of wonder, like, how does something like that happen? And mm. and you know. I mean, you listen to her sing, but mm-hmm. singing wasn't, I mean, she had unbelievably beautiful voice, but she, mm-hmm. that wasn't what she went into, right? Mm-hmm. Want to tell us? <laughs> what did she go into? No, um, I don't know. I just I remember shooting <laughs> baskets with her when she was little. She and, shooting baskets. She and Grant, yeah, we were at the park, you and I and mm-hmm. the kids, and we, and they were shooting, we were shooting baskets together. That's my, one of my fondest memories of her. Well, um, Sky was my first home birth. She was my middle child. And um, I always tell my clients that uh, <clears throat> their personalities come out in their labor and delivery. And so Jordan is still living at home with me, and he had to be pulled out by forceps. So nothing has really changed there. And Skye, she, um, my labor was two and a half hours. And was she born by the Christmas tree? Is she the one that she was, was born, born by, by the Christmas tree? tree? I remember that story. Mm-hmm. And um, she was born on the 28th of December. And... Um, came out fast and furious. And I really felt during my labor and delivery that I was just a vessel for her. Like in hindsight, not in the immediate, but when I look at her birth, um, because I was on my hands and knees and I had all these plans of getting in the water and doing these yoga meditative poses and all this stuff. And really, I literally did not move and she, she was born. And, um, and she kind of always was like that. Like, she had a mission and she had this strength and determination and I was often kind of in her way, if that makes sense, you mm-hmm. know? Well, I, a lot of mothers it makes <laughs> a lot of sense, yeah. Um, and or very early on, it was very clear that she was musical and, um, and I really tried my best as her mom to help her discover that gift and to hone that gift. So she had piano lessons very early on, but she wanted to quit. So I um, asked her to finish at least one song before she quit, like, you know, master one song. And then if you still feel like you want to quit, you can quit. But I've got this great video of her um, that I found when we were putting together the montage for the memorial and she's practicing a song and she goes, I learned a new song. Yeah. That's so cute. That's so cute. All, all four of my children took piano <laughs> lessons and all four of them quit. <laughs> <laughs> um, they did, but we made them at least start so that they yeah. all have a very strong interest in music, which yeah. was fun. And 
it's not the kind of thing where you can you know Push. make make a make a kid do it. They either atta- attach themselves to it mm-hmm. or they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, um, it's interesting. I have a friend. Uh, I don't want to digress too much, but I have a friend. Um, Digression is good. This is a <laughs> podcast for everything. Um, so. Who um, he's a musician, and it's one of his only requirements is that his children learn an instrument, like a language. He also speaks like three languages, and um, I think that's kind of cool because it it does teach you something very different than other things, you know, um, musicality and learning and creative and reading music. It, it takes a different part of your brain. Um, so and, and it an uh, teaches, thing. and it teaches discipline. It teaches mm-hmm, you to, you know, sure. if you, you know, you may have, it may be drudgery. I, I, I can remember everybody that I know my, you know, when I was little had to go to Hebrew school mm-hmm. and, yeah. and everyone I know hated it because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would get out of school at two thirty or three o'clock and we'd have to get on the bus and go to Hebrew school while other kids were going home. Yeah. And we'd go there for an hour and a half afterwards, and then we'd get homework from that, and and it was just it just seemed like drudgery to us. Mm-hmm. And then many of us took it, and we got our bar or bat mitzvahs done, and then we ever never went back. But it, but having gone through that, it was in hindsight a very valuable thing to make your kid do that. I mean, it gives your kid a leg up. It gives your kid your kid can read another language. Um, even, yeah. if, even if you can't speak it, uh, it learns a lot about uh, your history and, and your discipline, culture and discipline and, and, and uh, having to get up in front of, you know, 150 grownups and read from the Torah and, mm-hmm. and recite the prayers and have to give a speech when you're 13 years old. That's uh, not an easy thing to do. So, um, uh, and then a lot of, of course there's a lot of rewards from that. You get, you know, tons of presents, presents and, and things, and but <laughs> Nonetheless, you don't really think about that for all those years that you're going to Hebrew school and the drudgery and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so she was musical, but uh, she was uh, on her own. She was on her own path. Drum. Yeah, she was beating her own drum. <laughs> she definitely was beating her own drum. Um, and you know, I hired a, a voice coach for her to come in and do private voice lessons. And at some point, he was like, "She really doesn't want." the coaching like she's not like coachable so we stopped doing that and then she joined a um a kids band where they would write their own music she was going to be the lead singer and he kind of gave me the exact same feedback she's really talented but she just really like won't follow the rules and that was kind of sky's path like she just i think that you said that really well she did she never followed the, the rules <laughs> she, did she did not didn't. like to follow the rules so you know um raising a child like that um, is very difficult, um, but I think that's what we really want in a way from our children is to think outside of the box and to, you know, figure out what works for them and to create their own path. And Sky um, definitely was on a path that was different than the one I would have created for her. Um, and she had not been living with me since 16. Um, and... Um, when she turned 18, she definitely was doing her own, like even more so like kind of doing her own thing. And she got mixed up into some stuff yeah. and some people that obviously were very dangerous. And, um, we had a lot of conversations about that. And, um, I got to spend a week with her at the end of September cause there were many times when I wouldn't hear from her for a while, you know? And so, 
of course, the mama brain worries, right? <clears throat> but I saw her for a week and we had some really straight conversations about, you know, what she wanted and where she was going. And she was um, really content with what was going on her in path. her life. Yeah, her she path. wasn't really ready to, to change directions. And um, I honestly had thought that I might get this call. You, know? you told me that. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if you remember telling me yeah. that. You yeah. told me that several times, actually. Yeah. That you were always worried when you were a long period of time when you wouldn't hear from her that you were always worried you were going to get this call, but you really never thought it was going to happen. I mean, you hope, you know, you hope and when happen. I talked to people, people would say, oh, I got involved in a lot of stuff too. And one of my best friends, Desiree, she was like, she would always tell me, oh, I was just like Sky. You know, my nephew had some issues when he was young too. And he said, you know, I just think that if she had had enough time, you know, she would have, she would have grown out of it. She would have, but she didn't. Um, I mean, most people who do fall into the system and the setup that she did do survive and do grow out of it. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is, but mm -hmm. you're just, you're, you're, the odds are so much higher. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in this particular evening, uh, she was coming home from dinner with a boy that she was dating and she <clears throat> was parking her car next to a red. So she got out to um, see if she had parked her car properly and some men um, who turn out to be young boys themselves, um, they have been arrested and are being charged with first-degree murder, <clears throat> are 20 and 22, and no prior convictions. So, you know, when, when we found out that they had been arrested, there wasn't necessarily a sigh of relief. You know, it was um, sad. It's sad. All of them are just stupid kids honestly you know um whose lives have forever been altered um but they came with baseball bats and we don't exactly know why so the, um, it wasn't the motive is random though but, but I, I think random. it's important for people to know that it wasn't completely random um they, do you think that they were actually lying in wait for them i do even though she parked sort of a block away, did they think they followed them there? or did they, I don't know that part. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, the bottom line is they got to the car faster than she could get back in the car. And um, her friend, her boyfriend that was with her, was kind of in an altercation with the second guy. And he heard the man that was with Sky say, hold still or I'll shoot. And I just know that she <laughs> it was scrappy and she wasn't going to hold still for no. anyone. Um, so a few seconds later, the gun went off and um, he reports that... The uh, boyfriend reports. Uh-huh, yeah. the boyfriend reports that the man that he was fighting with looked surprised. So I, And they have confessed that it was an accident. Whether or not that's true or not, I can't tell you. Um, but if you come with a loaded gun... And you pull it. It might have gone off by accident. It's but, ac but it's not an accident. If yeah. You pull it out and you point it at somebody. Um, but, you know, I think part of my frustration in all of this is I've had people send me stories of, like, someone who was shot in the head four times, someone who was shot in the body seven times, you know, and one bullet went through her carotid artery. And ultimately, that's what killed her. Um, they took her to very quickly 
um, there happened to be a guy who lived across the street who came out and was with them, her and her boyfriend, until the um, ambulance came who was a med student and um, did CPR on her and helped, you know, keep her still and all of that, who we met when we went to kind of put a little memorial at the location. Um, lovely, lovely, lovely human being to think that he was one of the last people that was with my daughter just really makes me feel happy. Um, and, uh, they rushed her to Cedars, which she was not very far from. And, um, and he said that they got there very quickly. And, um, I got the call from her father. Actually, you and I were supposed to go to a documentary together that night at at UCLA, and I went on my own. <laughs> it was a very depressing documentary. Yeah, it was I a think... depressing documentary, and I think I didn't want to drive cross town anyway mm-hmm. to go all the way back to UCLA. Yeah, it's about postpartum psychosis. It's called um, <laughs> Not Carol. Not Carol. Do you remember the title? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I don't want to say, but I, I can't I, remember. I just know Something that the Carol. T- that I wanted to go because you wanted to go, mm-hmm. but the topic just did not inspire yeah. me enough to drive across town. Yeah. So I left that and went home, and I had just fallen asleep. It was about eleven o'clock, and her dad called and said she had been shot. And I was just talking to Marianne, my friend, yesterday about that moment because I burst into tears immediately, and I, I'm like, interesting because it was one of the hardest cries that I've had to date. And um, I didn't know that she wasn't going to make it. I just knew that she had been shot and she was on her way to Cedars. Um, and uh, But I think it was that, like, getting that call at 11 o'clock at night that I had been dreading. Who called Thomas? Um, they had taken her phone and called, her, her boyfriend had called him, uh-huh. and then the phone died. Um, so he didn't have any other information besides she was going to Cedars. And I won't get into all of the details, although, no. you know, it's a beautiful story. I might write a screenplay, honestly, because there's just so many amazingly beautiful, magical moments that happened at the hospital. Um, but, um, yeah, we were there with her for, for four days. Um, really, by Tuesday night, because of my medical training and they had said she, she was in DIC and we know like, that's just, you know, and, and they were giving her platelets and it's disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, which for, basically you just start bleeding. You're clotting, your blood doesn't clot anymore. Right. right. Um, so they were giving her platelets in the middle of the night. I was with them and they were going to see how she responded to that. And I left the room and went and took a nap. And I, I knew that if in the morning she wasn't responding to that, they didn't really have anything else, you know? So Tuesday night or whenever that was, I, I kind of already knew that, that she was was not going to make it. Um, but it's very difficult come to find out that, um, to use the terminology brain dead. So they had to go through a lot of, a lot of different hoops to be able to make that declaration. And, um, and that was, they were able to do that on Friday morning. Yep. I was there for that. Yeah. 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 I Um, remember. I do want to tell you Mm. that you were one of my, there were a cast of characters in this movie plot. Um, that is my life, but you were one of the most supportive and loving cast of characters. You came over 
I don't know, day two when we got home or something with a box of donuts and you had put one pink one in the middle. <laughs> it was a very sweet, very just sweet and tender. And, you know, you, you went out of town for Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. And when you landed, you sent me a text and said, I just landed and I just wanted to see if you needed anything from the grocery store. And I should have just gone to the grocery Now I know I should have just gone actually, to the grocery store. <laughs> your, no, your message was great because you said, you know, can I get you anything at the grocery store? And we could have given you a list. You know, I mean, it was a very meaningful time for you to just be so consistent and just check in constantly and just ask if there was something you could do and offer to take me out to movies, even though I haven't wanted to go out much. I've mostly wanted to sit in front of my fireplace and you had wood delivered for me. And, you know, I just want you to know that every gesture and every call and every text meant a lot to me and my family. You're welcome. Yeah. More so than some of my family members even, you know, so I just want you to know that that has well, meant a lot. I mean, we've lived and worked together for, what, 10 years now? Yeah, or more. Yeah. Did you see the test that I sent you on Facebook? It, it was a friendship quiz. Yeah, I didn't do it. I only got 60%. I wanted to see if you would do that. <laughs> okay, if, well, uh, after the podcast, I will do it now. I, I tend not to do those Facebook, you know, challenges or whatever. I just, uh, yeah, I just... I'm too competitive, I don't, and I and I would feel bad if I if I lost. <laughs> well, I only that's got sixty percent. That's why I don't bet. So. On, I don't bet on. People say you bet on sports, and I say no, I don't bet on sports. I bet I play poker mm -hmm. because I have a hand in whether I can win or not. But but I don't like to do stuff where I where I might lose. <laughs> don't like to play new games. Where my family, when we go on our ski trips, we always play games, and you know I'm, I like playing the games I've played. I don't like to have to learn a new game. It's, it's too stressful for me <laughs> anyway <laughs> thank you for saying that that yeah. was really nice. i never expect that to come out of your mouth like well, that yeah is there anything in your experience and being at the hospital and all of that that you wanted to yeah share? i wanted i wanted to say something because um you know we talk a lot on the podcast about some of the ills of the hospital when mm -hmm. it comes to obstetric the obstetric world and how they mistreat people and over overutilize technology and have interventions that lead to you know outcomes that could have been different or better i have to say that the that from hearing from you in the times that i was there that the people in the in the saperstein building were amazing they were absolutely amazing i just i don't know how they do that every day honestly just and the nurses in the ICU, they never stop moving. I mean, literally, they're putting so many medications and doing so much all night but long. But they always asked. It's amazing. You know, they always deferred to you. If they, if, if you had people around, they would say, I'll come back. They didn't say, they didn't like push in there and say, I've got to do my charting now. I've got to do this. No, no, no. They were just so sweet. Yeah. Very, very, very good at their job. They should all start working in labor and delivery now. <laughs> right. It'd be easier compared to that, man. Uh, we'd, have, we'd have better outcomes, I think. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> and um, supposedly you have a year um, <clears throat> to say your, you know, send your thank you cards and all of that after something like this. Um, what is that, a tradition? 
Someone told me. Is that an me. Amy Vander? <laughs> Not Amy. Is it, who, is, who makes the... Who makes the rules? Yeah, who makes the etiquette know. rules? What's your name? <laughs> it's a, there's somebody that makes the etiquette rules. Even our producer doesn't know, but that's but there is a, there is somebody that... I, ma- wanna, I wanna make the rules like that. Everybody yeah, follows. You yeah. just say, this is what you're supposed to For do. For some reason, Amy He's Vanderbilt, the name up. Amy Vanderbilt comes up, but I, I don't think that that's right. But there's there's just somebody that when I was growing up, there was there were etiquette rules and they were made mm-hmm. by... They're famous. Um Maybe one of the listeners can email us and tell us where they mm. are. So yeah, I was going to say that the, it, they were spectacular, and then and mm. then they let us. I mean, there were no time limits. You could they didn't kick you out. No, no. you could be there twenty four seven. It took a while before they would let me in the room with her. Um, I have to say, you know, I mean, I think some people know, but maybe not everybody knows that I also lost my niece to, to uh, cystic yeah. fibrosis the year before. <laughs> Um, and she had been in the hospital most of her life. I mean, I think it's, I think it was like a third or something of her life. We spent time with visiting her in the hospital and she had had a couple of crises where we weren't sure if she was going to make it. And then ultimately this time she didn't. Um, so I (laughs) have experience of being in the hospital and, and sitting for days and days and days and sitting with family and very similar to what happened with with Sky, unfortunately, there were many times we mixed up the names and we said Claire, Claire. instead of Sky because it was so unfortunately familiar. Um, walking into the room and seeing her in the state that she was in with all of the machines and you know her her body so swollen that it wasn't she, barely yeah, she, recognizable. She was barely recognizable. Yeah. Um, so tell us tell us a little bit. Well, before I do that, I just <laughs> want to tell people that. Uh, that, that Claire's story is somewhat told that she was a consultant in the movie, what, Five Feet Apart? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which choked you up as well. It was a great well, At the end, there's movie. a tribute to her. Yes, yes, the, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's all over YouTube. You can look. She's, she's a hilarious, smart, spiritual, wonderful human being who taught me so much. And so, you know, I think the people have been saying, you're so, to me, you know, you have so much grace during this process and, you know, you're not born with that. You're, you're slammed over the head many, many, many heartbreaks and many times, which I have over the last 18 years in many different ways that you, you know, you're either going to, like we were saying earlier, grief can take you to a place where you never recover and you become very pessimistic and you close down and you don't really live life anymore or you decide that you're gonna be your best self from this, and that's well, I've just, l- that's extend, what I've chosen. Let me extend you a compliment right now too, because <clears throat> I've known you now for ten years, and I've seen your ups and downs, <laughs> and you've seen my ups and downs, and yeah. I've never seen anyone who does it better than you do as far as as far as finding the good in it, and 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 dealing with it in a rational way, and and. Um, your coping skills are, are amazing. Your people skills are amazing. The way you talk to your clients, um, the way you talk to my clients, um, you know, the way you talk to people on the podcast—you just you have a way about you that that who knows where it came from, but it's just there. And I think everybody listening knows it. Thank you. And You're the welcome. point that I would like to make oh. is that it comes from adversity. And so when we're going through this adversity, 
in our lives and we think, why is this happening to me? Trust me, I've asked that question many times. Why is this happening to me? Um, you know, that they're always in every heartache, in every really hard situation. You've had situations in your life that you've come back from and survived as well. You know, you have an opportunity to become a better person and you have an opportunity to be an example for people. And I talked about this at the memorial. My aunt lost the love of her life, I don't know, 10 years ago. And they were in love for 30 years. They got married in and out. They finally ended up together. They were together for 10 years and he came home from a business trip and had a heart attack while she was cooking him dinner. I mean, it was shocking to our family. And I looked at her and I thought, oh my God, that was like the worst possible thing I could imagine is finally being with the love of your life and having him die, you know? And she was a role model for me. And she said it to me very clearly, you know, I'm doing this so that you guys can see that life goes on. And I know that I'm now in that role where people are looking at me and going, how in the world do you survive a loss like this? And, you know, it's literally one day at a time. And, and that has, there's, I'm part of Al-Anon. Um, it's a program for people who have alcoholics and addicts in their life. And unfortunately, my family is riddled yep. with alcoholism. Um, and um, and I'm, I'm always a little leery to share these details because, um, one, there's an anonymous part of it, right? So you don't really want to divulge that information for somebody else. But since Sky is not here, it's something that I feel like it could possibly help other people. And so I think that, you know, that's the other part of this is that I want my experience to be able to help other people. And in being in that program, it has taught me so many skills that are helping me get through this. And one of them is is literally that one day at a time because sometimes that's all you can do. And, you know, when I had to tell my boys the news I just said, I'd, we're going to get through this. We don't know how right now. It seems insurmountable. And all we have to do right now, all we have to think about is eating and sleeping. And that's it. That's, that's all we need to do. And I think that that is the other thing. It's like first things first. You know, like you just do what's right in front of you. And, you, and that is how you survive something that feels like, how am I ever going to get through this? Does it? Does it help or does it make it harder to tell to sit around and tell stories of Sky? Um, for the boys, you know, people grieve differently. Yeah. And um, for them, they don't want to see the pictures. They don't want to talk about it. They don't, you know. Um, but for me, when we stop talking about her, I feel like it was the same with Claire. Like I wanted to just keep the momentum of the memories and the tributes because once people just went back to their normal life I felt like then she was really gone and um so there's part of that for me is like I want to keep talking about her because it keeps her alive for me to a certain degree um so I have to respect that they may not be the people I can do that with oh uh, so tell me about the tattoos let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about the tattoos yeah okay mm-hmm. so um Sky at some point got some tattoos on her upper left shoulder. The day that we recorded that song, 
Yes. Um, we were in Hollywood, and um, my ex-boyfriend is the one that's playing piano, Joe Bresler. Mm -hmm. He's a beautiful, beautiful. piano yep. player. That, that solo part still gets me. Um, and um, she begged me to go and get a tattoo. <laughs> she was 17, so she still needed my permission. And I was like, no, Sky, we're not getting a tattoo. How about a piercing? I'm like, no, Sky, we're not getting a piercing. Um, and uh, But then, you know, like I said, when she turned 18, man, she was like, I'm doing whatever I want. So um, she had exactly three tattoos on her body. I made them check for me. Um, one was behind her ear. It was a K. That was for her boyfriend, Capri. Um, and then she had the tattoo that I got, um, which is seven butterflies. That you, you and a whole gang of uh, a gaggle of women <laughs> went over and uh, got, over, got images. I mean, you got the exact same tattoos, right? We did get yeah. the, yeah, and when I saw... Which is sweet, which is really nice. Yeah. I wish I could tattoo myself. I'd probably put it on too, but <laughs> I promised my mother that I wouldn't do oh, tattoos, so... Yeah, the boys I, are are still getting theirs. But when I saw it, I mean, obviously, her, you know, we sat with her body a lot that week, and I saw that tattoo, and I've been thinking, my I, this is my very first tattoo, so I've never had something that I knew for sure that I wasn't going to regret. And when Claire died, we had all talked about getting tattoos and a few people got tattoos and butterflies were, was like, it became a representation of Claire. So Sky got this after Claire died. Um, and so for me, when I saw it, I was like, absolutely 100%, that is going to be the tattoo I get. And so I told somebody, I'm getting that tattoo and then can I come? I want to get it. Mm -hmm. So it ended up being um, two of my sisters, my niece and my best friend, Marianne. And everybody got a little bit of a variation of it. Yeah, some only got like three butterflies instead of, I think you what, got six? What do you have? Seven. Seven. But I have yeah. a rainbow in the in one of them okay. at the bottom. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, obviously art, you kind of have to interpret, right? I think the seven was for her family. So there's three... Um, on our side of the family and then four on her, on her dad's side of the yeah. family. Um, cause she has another brother, Lennon, mm -hmm. who's little and sweet and cute. And there was a moment at the, at the memorial too, which I thought was, we'll get back to the tattoos in a second, mm -hmm. but I'll digress for a second. And at the memorial, I remember when Alex was talking and, Alex and Evangeliti, who's Alex, a midwife here in LA. She was doing, uh, what would you call it? A, a spiritual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, thing? um, there were three, <laughs> Three um, spiritual women goddesses who I asked to yep. lead her memorial service. And there was a large poster picture of Sky on a tripod above that had been standing there the whole day. And uh, we were outside. We were outside in a, in a beautiful yard with sycamore trees and one in, of our in, clients. Malibu. <laughs> and um, right when Alex was talking about Sky saying something, a, a, a breeze came up and <laughs> and knocked it, and knocked it over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then little Lennon ran out to hold it up, and he held it up the rest of the he did. service. And we also saw that you also were staring. I saw you staring at a flock of I don't know if it was crows or ravens or ravens. I think right, mm -hmm. flying mm -hmm. like making those moves that like a group of birds often will do. It's beautiful. Yeah, and it was just altering the the thing. It was a really beautiful uh, setting and. It was, it was a beautiful day. Just yeah, it was just chilly enough that uh, it was a little chill in the air, and the in the the leaves were beautiful, and they were falling from these beautiful sycamore trees, and 
uh, anyway, that's my only experience with meeting Lennon, but he just was so cute because he ran out there right away to hold up this, and he wanted to hold the picture up the whole time. So. He did, like an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right, so so the tattoos. the tattoos. So the other tragic part of my family is that all three of my siblings on my father's side have lost children. So that's why my sister got three. She had a baby, Jack, who died of SIDS, my brother, whose daughter, Claire, died of cystic fibrosis, and then Sky. So we've shared, all sharing uh, Yeah, that's a loss. remarkable thing, because the chance of losing a child is is rare. Yeah. The fact that you've had three yeah. in one family. Yeah. 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 So she got one butterfly for each one of the babies yeah. that are no longer with us. Um and it was it was a very cool experience, and it's really cool for me to to look down and um and to feel like Connected. a part of her, you know, because it's exactly in the spot that she had it, and it's exactly the tattoo that she had. So we'll we'll put a picture of it up for you guys in case you haven't seen it. Um, but her dad told me. I mean, we've talked about how you mm-hmm. know she was a little estranged from me for the last few years, and and we didn't spend a lot of time together. Um, but she had a, a intricate rose tattoo on her forearm. And uh, when I told her dad that I was going to get this tattoo, he looked down at it and he said, that one's for you. And I, of course, I burst into tears um, that she only had three tattoos and one that was on her forearm that was quite intricate was, was dedicated to me. So did, did you get, did you get that one too? <laughs> I haven't gotten that one too. I don't know if I will, but um, it means a lot but to me. But you took pictures of them all. I have, yeah, I have, all. I have pictures of them all. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's one other thing that I definitely want to talk about before we close. Um, when I thought about becoming a midwife, and I've told you this story before, but I'll tell it again. Um, I was always afraid of losing a baby. Like that was the thing that kept me away from it for a very long time. It took me 20 years to really make the decision to to be a provider and not just a supporter of midwives and and this experience for me has made me a better midwife. And I really believe that, you know, it's part of what the way that I was trained as a, as a midwife is that obviously the majority of the work that we do is to bring babies in safely and to celebrate the joy of having a baby here and all of that. But there will be a time in our career that, you know, we may not have a baby that survives. Yeah. I mean, after after 34 years of practicing, I had one. Yeah. And so I feel fortunate that it took me 34 years to do it because I think if yeah. it happened in my first year, I, I may have chosen another career. I know a couple of midwives that happened in the yeah. beginning of their career. And it makes, a, it makes it very difficult for them to go on. Yeah. Um, so I had a woman early who um, actually had a 20-week ultrasound with you and found out that her baby had an anomaly that was not compatible brain. with life. Right. And they terminated um, at that point. And um, I, you know, I knew it. I knew that I was missing the mark in supporting her in, in a way that was really meaningful to her. She got pregnant again and she chose another midwife. You know, sometimes they do that just because they want a new experience, but I can, well, you know? and, and sometimes they do that. Like I, we've had the same thing happen in our office where 
people will come in with and they'll have a demise and we diagnose it in the office and when they're pregnant again they just they they can't yeah. come back to the office yeah. they just can't yeah. so but yeah. you know you know when you're when when you're really connecting to someone and it's really making a difference and you know when you're not and i just i could tell that i didn't have enough tools i didn't i didn't know exactly how to be there for someone and because of the way that I've been loved on and the way that I've been supported and, you know, there are so many people to acknowledge and thank. I specifically thanked you, but I was, I was carried through the first few weeks and I didn't realize until, you know, the flowers started dying and the food stopped coming and the people weren't there every day to the degree that I was carried through that time, you know, and um, I don't talk about no words I have no words to express the depth of connection and love and gratitude that I have for everyone who you actually have eloquent words to express it mm. yes you just did because well, you just did it I wish that and everybody I had listening more. everybody listening is probably sitting there with their mouth open <laughs> I wish <laughs> can't that. believe that you talk like you talk as um, strong as you are thanks yeah. thanks love um but I'm I I'm so grateful that I had that mentorship I had those people show me how to be there for someone during times like this because it will make me a better midwife it really will and um you know we're we've had a long podcast now but I would like to invite people you know if they'd like for us to talk more specifically about grief and loss and the things that have made a difference um maybe specific questions that they can ask I do feel like this is probably going to be part of my specialty. Um, I think that uh, at the the workshop, not the conference that we're going to Ecuador, they mm -hmm. had asked if I had a topic I wanted to speak now on. Oh, you do. I think that I'm going to talk about grief and loss. Um, so, if anybody has any specific questions or wants to, you know, ask anything, we could we could you know circle back and maybe do some more specifics about that since we talked a lot about Sky today. So I just wanted to read one last thing. You know how on Facebook the memories come up? And yeah, for sure. Last year, um, we were grieving the loss of Claire around this time. It is the last day. We're recording this on the last day of the year. It's New Year's Happy Eve. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. Happy New Decade, too. Yeah, I'm not ready to do all that yet. Remember, one day at a time. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so today's New Year's Eve. And... Um, my friend and family member, Tessa, posted this last year about Claire, and it's just so beautiful. It says, I have learned that grief is as deep as love is wide, and that sorrow exists because of the power of love's impact on the world. I have learned that there is space in the human heart for joy and pain, peace and anger, hope and sadness to all reside, and I have learned that to truly survive such unspeakable loss, we must allow ourselves to feel them each completely. I will survive because of love. It's written by Tracy Liu. You have to survive because otherwise it's two deaths. <laughs> and that's horrible. Yeah. Unthinkable. Unthinkable. But I just thought that was so beautiful. It is beautiful. You know, the pain that we feel is because of the love that we had. By the way, it's even more beautiful because it's you reading it. Well. <laughs> and if you want to reach out to Bliss, you can reach her at birthingbliss at hotmail.com or askdrstu at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. 
And you guys know how to find us on Instagram and all that stuff. So I'm not going to go through all that today. But we want to uh, say thank you I'm for taking being a sigh and a big <laughs> breath. Right. Mm-hmm. Say what? Then just, you know, thanking our listeners for being here with us during this time and for listening through the end of the podcast and for loving us and, you know. And, um, and, and listening and spreading the word and, and um, sticking with us. Uh, we will uh, be back uh, in the near future with the regular introduction and the regular podcast, but I think we'd like to end now with how, if, with how we started. <laughs> we want to end now with how we started. So, again, one more time, if you want to listen. Love you, Steel. Thanks. Love you, Bliss. Here's Sky. Lynn Gutierrez. Silver and gold, like a scene from a movie that every broken heart knows. We're walking on moonlight, and you pulled me close. Split second, and you disappeared, and then I was all alone. I woke up in tears with you by my side, a breath of relief, and I realized. No, and I promise tomorrow So I'm gonna love you Like I'm gonna lose you And I'm gonna hold you Like I'm saying goodbye Wherever we're standing I won't take you for granted Cause we'll never know Just a whisper of smoke You could lose everything The truth is you'll never know So I'll kiss you longer, babe Any chance that I get I'll make the most of the minutes In love with no regrets Let's take our time Say what we want Use what we got Before it's over Cause no When I promise tomorrow So I'm gonna love you Like I'm gonna lose you And I'm gonna hold you Like I'm saying goodbye Whoever we're standing I won't take you for granted Cause we'll never know
Like we're saying goodbye Wherever we're stuck